We're working on our, our sermon bumpers to give me a little bit of time huh, to, get, to get ready. So um, I don't feel really um, like I am uh, cool enough to, to, to preach after that, uh, this bumper, but I like it. I like it. it makes me feel good. <laughs> um, we are in a, a new series uh, called Kingdom Crisis, and in it we are studying the events of his, Jesus and his arrest, the trials, and then also the crucifixion. Of Jesus. Some people call this the passion narrative because in it we see his passion and his love for us. And we're studying this gospel of Matthew, and we will be in Matthew chapter 27. And we see that this is a critical moment, and things have begun to intensify for Jesus and his disciples and those surrounding him. And the decisions that are made in this critical moment are a matter of life or death. And for Jesus, they are a matter of both. And so as we come to Matthew chapter 27, we see Jesus has been arrested and he stands trial. Uh, Grace is going to come and and read for us in um, verses 11, I think through 25, 6, there we go. And uh, I'm going to pray um, as she gets ready. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray in this moment that you would quiet all other voices that we may hear from you, that we may listen, that we may obey. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now Jesus stood before the governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus answered, you say so. While he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he didn't answer. Then Pilate said to him, don't you hear how much they are testifying against you? But he didn't answer even, one, even on one charge so that the governor was quite amazed. At the festival of the governor's customs was, was, the governor's custom was to release the crowd to a prisoner they wanted. At the time, they had been there, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, who is it you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus who was called Christ? For he knew it was because of the envy they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judge's bench, he said, he, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for today I have suffered a terrible dream because of him. The chief, priest, chief priests and elders, however, persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. The governors asked them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, they answered. Pilate asked him, what should I do then with Jesus, who was called Christ? They all answered, crucify him. Then he said, why? What has he done wrong? But they kept shouting all the more, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead, he took some water, washed his hands in front of the crowd, and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. All the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Yikes. (laughs) Then he released Barabbas to them, after having Jesus flogged, handed him over to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, down a few blocks on uh, 43rd Street, where my wife and I live, is the West Side Theater. And currently they are playing the musical uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Do, do you know the story? 
I know it from the 1980s movie. I watched it when I was a kid, kind of dating myself a little bit. Uh, but uh, the story, I'm not going to give away too much of the plot because it's playing right now, but you should have seen it um, and you should know it. So I'm going to give you a little preview. Uh, during a, a total eclipse, uh, Seymour Krellborn, he, he's played by Rick Moranis, he, he discovers an unusual plant in uh, this, this uh, total eclipse, and he names it Audrey II, which is named after his love interest. He doesn't know at the time, uh, but it only feeds on human flesh and blood. Yes, thank you, Dad, for letting me watch this movie as a kid. Appreciate that. Uh, but uh, oh, it's a great story. It's a good musical, right? It's fun. And um, one of the things that happens in, in this story is that Oren, who is an evil dentist, uh, played by Steve Martin in the movie, uh, he accidentally dies at the hands of Seymour. And afterwards, Krellborn, he, he feeds them, this dead dentist, to the plant. And he finds out that the plant only wants more. <laughs> feed me, feed me, Seymour. Of course, throughout the movie, um, Seymour is dealing with this guilt, right? This guilt um, where he has played a role in the death of this dentist. And he hates the plant. He ends up um, not liking himself. He feels like the plant has become a monster, and so has he. Uh, today we come to a passage where we see two people and then two other groups of people who also are dealing with guilt. It's blood guilt. The blood is on their hands. The blood of who? It's Jesus. And they're trying to deal with this guilt in the best way that they know how. The first character that is introduced to us in chapter uh, 27 is Pontius Pilate. We know him, right? Uh, we, we actually talk about him a lot around this time of year. He is the infamous Roman governor who has the authority to release Jesus or to crucify him, right? If you know uh, during this time, the Roman government is actually occupying Judea and Jerusalem, and he is in charge. And so the Sanhedrin, the Jewish legal council, brings him, brings Jesus to Pontius Pilate. Keep in mind that this is something that is necessary, is necessary for them because they want to get rid of Jesus. They want him crucified, but they cannot, so they bring him before Pilate himself. We are introduced to this character at the beginning of chapter 27, and then the rest of his story unfolds in verse 11. So let's read this together, beginning in verse 11 through 14. Now Jesus stood before the governor, are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Well, Jesus answered, you say so. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he didn't answer. Verse 13, then Pilate said to him, don't you hear how much they are testifying against you? But he didn't answer him on even one charge so that the governor, he was quite amazed. Now, this is interesting for Pilate. He's in an awkward position. He's also very confused by what is happening, that Jesus doesn't say a word to defend himself. If you go back to chapter 26 and you see the trial of Jesus before the Sanhedrin, you see that they're trying to set him up. They're trying to come up with anything uh, to pin against him. 
And two witnesses come forward and they say that he is a terrorist, that he is going to destroy the temple and then rebuild it in three days. Now, Jesus, when he says this, he's talking about himself. He's not talking about the temple building. But this is what sticks against him. And for this, they say that he deserves death. The whole time during that trial, he barely says anything. And now he's brought before Pilate with a new verdict around this idea of who he is and what he's claiming to be. They say that he is the king of the Jews. Now let me ask you, is that true of Jesus? Yeah, it is. He came to Jerusalem as, as king. And he's not just the king of the Jews, he's the king of kings. And so they bring these charges against him, but yet Jesus says nothing still. So Pilate, he comes up with an idea. Because he doesn't want to deal with this mess. He's kind of confused by it all. He doesn't understand what Jesus is doing. He's also maybe a little perturbed that he's brought into something that he maybe didn't want to deal with. And so he comes up with a solution that he thinks is good. A way for this just to end. We read about it beginning in verse 15. So you can read it with me as I read it aloud. At the festival of the governor's custom was to release to the crowd a prisoner they wanted. Now, we don't know much about this particular custom. It, the only thing that we do know about it is found within these gospel accounts. But we see what happens. At that time, they had a, a notorious prisoner called Barabbas, or maybe better said, Barabbas. And so when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who is it? that you want me to release for you Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ. This seems so easy for Pilate, right? He appeals to the theology of these Jewish people that have gathered in this moment. This is Jesus, who is called the Christ, the one, the anointed one from God. Or do you want... Barabbas. Now, does anybody have in their translation, I use the CSB translation, so I don't have it, but does anybody have a longer name for Barabbas than, than just Barabbas? If you look at some translations, it says Jesus Barabbas, which makes sense because Jesus was a common name in this time. And so here is Pilate before the Jewish council and the Jewish people, and he says, do you want Jesus who you say is the Christ, the one sent from God, the anointed one, or do you want Jesus Barabbas? Now, Barabbas, it means son of Abba, which means son of his father. Do you want Jesus, the one that is sent from God, the anointed one, or do you want G Jesus Barabbas, just this man who is simply born like everybody else. Which one do you want me to set free? He is trying to appeal to them, and he is shocked by what they say, right? We continue to read verse 18. For he knew it was because of envy that they had handed him over. And while he was sitting on the judge's bench, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for today I have suffered terribly in a dream because of him. 
The chief priests and the elders, however, they persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. So the governor asked them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, they answered. And Pilate, he asked, what should I do then with Jesus, who is called the Christ? And they all answered, crucify him. He can't believe it. He went from being confused about Jesus not saying a word to now being shocked by what is happening in front of him. And he feels the weight of it because his wife just sent word that he should have nothing to do with this man. She was warned in a dream. And dreams in this culture are a big deal. And so he wants nothing to do with this moment that he is in. He says, why? What has he done wrong? But they who have been Stirred up by the Jewish leaders, shout all the more, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead, he took some water, he washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Pilate is is there in a place that he doesn't want to be. He's feeling the weight of this moment, the, the... the guilt of the blood of Jesus being on his, on his hands. And he takes water and dips his hands in it and washes himself clean. I'm going to have nothing to do with this. This is not my fault. And we know that Pilate, he is guilty. He is guilty for the role that he plays in the death of Jesus. And he's not the only one, is he? The chapter begins with Pilate, but it is interrupted by the story of Judas, isn't it? Let's read this together at the beginning of chapter 27 in verse 3. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that Jesus had been condemned, was full of remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Now remember, we talked about this last time that we were together, that Judas was a part of the arrest of Jesus. He worked with the authorities, and he did so for money. He was given 30 pieces of silver, which would have been about a month's wages. It's not a significant amount of money, but it's also not a minor amount of money, right? It's not money that would change the direction of someone's life. And so when Judas starts to see what is happening, that Jesus is now on trial before Rome itself, he begins to feel a little bit guilty for what he has done and the role that he is playing in the death of Jesus. So he brings the 30 pieces of silver back to the chief priest. And he says, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. The blood of Jesus is on his hands as well. And they respond to him, what's that to us, they said? See to it yourself. This is all on you, Judas. This is all on you. What is that to us? See to it yourself. So he threw the silver into the temple and departed. Then, sadly, he went and hanged himself. He is overwhelmed by the guilt that he is a part of playing a role in the death of Jesus, so much so that he goes off and he, he takes his own life. We also see here a group of people that are also guilty 
and playing a role in the death of Jesus. It, it is the chief priest and the elders, isn't it? In verse 6, the chief priest took the silver and said, it's not, permitted to put it, it's not permitted to put it into the temple treasury since it is blood money. It's dirty money. We, we can't go and put it into the temple. We can't worship God with, with this money. It's dirty money. They know that this is not right, what they have done. So in verse 7, they conferred together and bought the potter's field with its burial place for foreigners. Therefore, that field has been called blood field to this day. When what was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled, they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of whom, whose price was set by the Israelites, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord Directed me. Now, what's going on here besides just fulfillment of prophecy, which, which is important? Remember, this is the Passover week, right? And so thousands of Jews have come to Jerusalem to worship, right? That's, that's what takes place during the Passover week. And so say that grandfather comes with you on this trip, and he's old, and he kicks the bucket, right? You're not going to go all the way back home to bury him, because by the time that you got there, he's going to stink pretty badly, right? So you're going to be looking for a place to bury him in Jerusalem. So what do they do? They're guilty. This is dirty money. This is blood money, right? They can't just worship God with it, so they do what they think is the next best thing. They become charitable with it. <laughs> Let's go buy a field for all the foreigners that come who may need a place to bury their dead. They've done something horribly wrong. So let's do something good. We are guilty, and let's try to make up for it. They're not the last group here that we see that are guilty in Matthew chapter 27. We see this crowd that has been stirred up by the religious leaders. They are also guilty. We see this uh, in, in verses 25 and 26. After the choice is given between Jesus or Barabbas, and Pilate cleanses his own hands, all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. And after having Jesus flogged, handed him over to be crucified. Now, this particular verse, verse 25, when misinterpreted, leads to a lot of hate and anti-Semitism, right? That the Jewish people are to blame for the death of Jesus exclusively. And that's not true, is it? They are to blame. They were there saying, his blood be on us and on our children. Matter of fact, they have rejected several messengers from God. John the Baptist was killed by them. Jesus was killed because of their work. And they also sought to kill the disciples as well. They are to blame. We do see that. But so is everybody else in this story. So is Pontius Pilate himself, the, the Gentile, the Roman governor. And honestly, if we were to be transparent today, so are we. 
we are to blame. We also are guilty. We play a role in the death of Jesus. He has come to die for what? Our sin. Our sin. He's come to die for the brokenness that is within us and the brokenness that is in the world that we also contribute to. We are guilty. His blood is on our hands as well. He has come to die for our sin. I think the problem, though, for us is that we don't know how to handle our guilt correctly. I think that's something that we, we struggle in. Like Pilate, we know that our hands are dirty, but we may ignore it, pronouncing ourselves clean, trying to just fix it all ourselves, trying to be our own savior as if we can make ourselves clean before God. Like Judas, we may be overcome with guilt and how we have added to the brokenness that is in this world and the brokenness that is in us. And unfortunately, maybe like Judas, we have thought the same thoughts of what he did. I just want to encourage you as a pastor, if you ever get to this place or if you struggle with depression, I want to encourage you to find help. Let us help you find help. Yes, we pray. Yes, we seek God. Yes, God does amazing things and can work through our emotions. But also, we need professional help that God also provides. As someone who has been through depression, let me just say that I want to help you find what you need. Because I don't want your story to end up like Judas, overwhelmed with guilt and brokenness that is in your life and in the life in the world around you. Also, we may be like the chief priest. Maybe we felt guilty about our sin and all the wrong things that we have done. And so what do we do? We try to make amends by doing some good stuff, right? By being charitable, by serving, by volunteering, by helping out. And we hope that somewhere in the way, uh, in, along the way, we can, we can balance the scales a little bit or maybe even tip the scales to us being a good person by doing enough good work to overcome the bad that we have done. It's an inappropriate way to deal with our guilt because there's no amount of good works that can, that can save. Not our good works. Or maybe we are like the crowd, right? That is there, that's been riled up, that's just saying, crucify, crucify. And maybe we take Jesus' blood on us because we want to maintain our life. And all we care about is getting him out of the way. Just get rid of him. <laughs> I want to live the life that I want to live. I'm not interested in Jesus coming to change it all. And we are calloused to the ways of God. We need God to break our hearts. What we need to understand is there is a right way to deal with our guilt. To deal with the fact that we have played a role in Jesus being on the cross. We must understand that Jesus on the cross is bigger than our guilt. It's bigger than our shame. 
It's bigger than our, what we might feel for, for being overwhelmed by playing this role. It's bigger than that. What is happening on the cross is actually beautiful. It is God's passion towards us. It is his love towards us that he sent his son to die on a cross. It is the answer that we need. I love the scene that we see here with Jesus, who is, interestingly enough, the only innocent one in this entire thing, right? He's the only one that's innocent. But he makes no move to clear his name with Pilate or in chapter 26, the Sanhedrin. Nothing. He could have done it. We've seen him do things like this before where he said something and it was like a mic drop and everybody walked away that was accusing him. He could have done that, right? And he's all God. He's all God. He could have just zapped all of them and they fall over dead and he'd walk away free, right? He could have, he could have done that. But he remained silent. I want you to see this, chapter 26. He's in the garden. In verse 39, we see Matthew writing about his prayer that he has before his father. He has just been with the disciples in the room where they celebrated the Passover meal that we talked about last week that became the Lord's Supper. And now he goes into the garden to pray right before his arrest. And this is what Matthew says in verse 39. Going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will but as you will. The truth is that there was no other way. And so Jesus remaining silent before Pilate is Jesus deciding to go to the cross. Willingly going to the cross. It's a beautiful picture of his love For you and for me, for those of us who are guilty. You see, we need Jesus on that cross. There is no other way. Jesus, who could have gotten himself out of this mess, decides to step onto the cross to get us out of our mess. That's the picture of the gospel, that he is the substitute in our place. And so what happens is that When we see the cross and we we bring our blood-stained hands before the cross of Christ, it is the blood of Christ, the very blood of Christ that actually cleanses us and makes us clean before a holy God. We're not supposed to remain in this guilt of what have I done? Look at all my sin. No, God wants to move us into the forgiveness that is found on the cross. That's what his blood is all about, for us to be made clean by the cross of Christ. It's the beautiful picture of the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done on our behalf. Before it was the West Side Theater playing the The little shop of horrors, it was a church. To be specific, 
It was the second German Baptist church. You can actually see outside of the theater this little cornerstone on the foundation of the building. It's right there on the outside. This is Latin, and it says Christ, our cornerstone. This was the second German Baptist church, and it was pastored by Walter Rausenbush. He was a pastor who loved the people in Hell's Kitchen and cared for their needs in many ways. I hope that we can be a church similar to how they cared for people's needs. They confronted unemployment, poverty, uh, malnutrition, disease, and, and even crime. They were a pillar. He was a pillar in the community. Matthew, uh, excuse me, Martin Luther King Jr. even, even referenced the work of Rauschenbusch by saying, his writings left an indelible imprint on my thinking. Dr. King said that of Rauschenbusch. His writings left an indelible imprint on my thinking. Unfortunately, Rauschenbusch also became the father of the social gospel movement. And in doing so, he taught against the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. He taught against Jesus dying on the cross in our place. Instead, he said that it's only a model to substitute love for selfishness, and it's the basis of human society. Now, I, I believe that Jesus on the cross dying for us is also a model I, I, for us. I believe that. I believe that we are supposed to look at the life of Christ and the death of Christ, the sacrifice of what he has done, and we are supposed to model it as we continue his ministry. Now, I also believe that we cannot do that without God himself, that we need the church to do that. We can't just imitate Jesus without the church. We are the body of Christ. We also need the Holy Spirit. We can't just follow in the footsteps of Jesus without being empowered to follow after him. We need the church. We need the Holy Spirit, right? I do believe that he is a model for us. But let me say, as the pastor of one community church, any view of the gospel that doesn't believe in Jesus dying in our place is a betrayal of the gospel. It's the very thing that takes us from death to life. We cannot save ourselves. We need the power of God. In Jesus, he remained silent before Pilate because he knew it was his silence that would take him to the cross for you and for me. His blood, it is on our hands. And thanks be to God. Because it is his blood that gives us life. What is our response today? I think we have to understand our role in all of this. We, we recognize our sin for sure, but we don't let that keep us from the cross because God surely didn't let it keep us from him. 
right? God has made a way when there was no way. So I think our response today is to come to the cross with our blood-stained hands so that we can find life. You see, he died so that we may live. This is a crisis moment here at the cross. And the decisions that are made in this critical moment are decisions that lead to life or death. And for us today, may we choose to come to the cross and find life through the blood of Jesus. I'm going to invite the band to come and to play. And as they do, I'm going to ask a few questions for you. And I want to invite you just to listen to the Holy Spirit. We like to give time in our services just to process and, and to hear from, from God. Sometimes you get tired of hearing from the, the preacher on the stage, but let's hear from God. First question. Have you tried to be your own savior and clean up your own sin? Secondly, where have you been so overwhelmed with your your shortcomings that there seems to be no way out and you feel hopeless today? Where do you see that in your life? Have you been someone that has tried to balance the scales or tip the scales towards you being a good person? Trying to do enough good works to save yourself. Where have you seen that show up in your life? Where have you been calloused and you need God to break your heart? What would it look like for you to come? with your blood-stained hands to the cross today. If you are considering the gospel for the first time, I am the first one usually out of this room at the end of the service, and I would love to talk with you. If there's some things going on that you're just struggling with and you don't know how to handle your guilt all that well, I would love to talk with you after this service. Jesus is our life. Christ for what you've done for us. We ask that you would continue to move in our lives, that we may build our lives upon you, our true cornerstone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite you to stand and to sing as we continue to worship today. Father, it is your love for us that we establish everything that we are upon. Father, may we walk in your love today. Love that you demonstrated for us through the cross. That your son bore on our behalf. We thank you that we can stand in the blood of Jesus today. That clear.
cleanses us from head to toe. Everything about of us, about us is righteous because of him. We stand in his righteousness alone today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.